Hello? Welcome. This is Flames of the Two Cities. As many of you know, this summer I completed 180 miles of the John Muir Trail in the Sierra Nevada mountains in California. It was part of my field work I'm completing for my dissertation research. I've always had an affinity for the outdoors. I was raised hiking and camping. Hell, I even lived in a cabin for a year. When I was young, I loved Laura Ingalls Wilder books. She was just about the only female character that spent time outside. I struggled to understand why my family, mostly women, spent so much time outside but the other women and girls in my life seem to hate the wild. Dirt, bugs, animals are not girly. Liking spending time outside labeled me a tomboy. It was frustrating to not have some sort of figure, role model, or hero that I could look up to. In this episode, I'm gonna highlight two badass women who challenged the idea that outdoors is a place for exclusively men. Martha Jane Canary was born on May 1st, 1852 in Princeton, Missouri. Her father, Robert Wilson Canary, had a serious gambling problem, and her mother, Charlotte, was a prostitute. Jane, as her family referred to her, was the oldest of six. In 1865, the family moved by wagon to Virginia City, Montana. But before they could make it, in 1866, Jane's mother, Charlotte, died of pneumonia. So Robert took his six kids to Salt Lake City instead. Though Robert died just a year later, in 1867. So, at 14... Jane took charge of her younger siblings and headed to Wyoming. Jane took jobs once the family moved to Piedmont, Wyoming. She worked as a dishwasher, cook, waitress, dance hall girl, nurse, and even an ox team driver. In 1874, she began to work at Fort Russell as a scout. It's rumored that during that time, she also began her on and off employment as a lady of the night. She was described as a pretty dark-eyed girl. But it was her work at Fort Russell that led to her now notorious name. She became involved in many long-running military conflicts with Native Americans. She claimed in her autobiographical booklet that during a campaign in 1872 to 1873, she was on Goose Creek in Wyoming. She was ordered by Captain Egan to quell an uprising of Native Americans. Over the course of several days, six soldiers were killed and several wounded. When returning to the post, they were ambushed and Captain Egan was shot. She was riding in advance of the men and turned to see Egan reeling in his saddle. She turned on her horse, galloped back just in time, and caught him as he was falling. She lifted him onto her horse and got him back safely to the fort. It was Egan who christened her when he said in his recovery, quote, I name you Calamity Jane, the heroine of the plains. Look, Millie, nothing's impossible for Calamity. Why, didn't she save the stage from a hundred savage engines? Didn't she rescue her pretty lieutenant from a, a fate worse than death? Calamity Jane is known as an American frontierswoman. She later appeared in Buffalo Bill's Wild West show, but what makes her interesting to me was her compassion. She was known to tend to the sick and needy. She often wore men's clothing and worked in male-dominated positions, and much of her history is contentious. There have been challenges to her autobiography, including those related to her naming, positions in service, and her heroic actions. Captain Jack Crawford said Jane, quote, never saw service in any capacity under General Cook or General Miles. She never saw a lynching and was never in an Indian fight. She was simply a notorious character, dissolute and devilish, but possessed a generous streak which made her popular. Even during her lifetime, people believed some of her stories to be fabricated. One such story was during an order under General Cook at Bighorn River. Jane swam the Platte River and traveled 90 miles cold and wet to deliver an important message. 
This first part remains unsure, but the second half we know to be true because after recovering for a few weeks, she did ride to Fort Laramie in Wyoming to join a wagon train headed north in July of 1876. That wagon train included Wild Bill Hickok. She moved to Rapid City with California Joe, Wallentine McGillicuddy, and Wild Bill. She became friends with the Black Hills' leading madam, Dora Dufran, and occasionally worked for her. She was also friendly with Wild Bill and Charlie Utter. Jane was believed to have had two daughters. One, the result of a marriage to Wild Bill, reportedly recorded in a Bible and signed by two ministers. The alleged daughter, Jean Hickok Bernhardt McCormick, published a book of letters purported to be from Calamity Jane. The letters reveal that she gave her daughter up for adoption to Captain Jim O'Neill and his wife. In the late 1800s, Jane returned to Deadwood with another child who she claimed to be her daughter. They held fundraisers to pay for the daughter's education, though despite raising quite a large sum, Jane got drunk, spent much of the money the night before, and then left with the child the next day. Uh Uh-oh. In 1881, Jane brought a ranch in Montana and ran an inn. She married Clinton Burke and moved to Boulder, where she gave birth to another daughter named Jessie, who was adopted by foster parents. In 1893, Jane began to appear in Buffalo Bill's Wild West show as a storyteller. At the time, she was depressed and was deeply entrenched in her alcoholism. In 1876, she rented a horse and buggy to Cheyenne for a one-mile joyride to Fort Russell and back. But she was so drunk, she missed the destination and ended up 90 miles away at Fort Laramie. Though Jane remained in Deadwood for a time, and once helped many passengers in a stagecoach by diverting Plains Indians who were in pursuit of them. When the stagecoach driver was killed, she took over the reins and drove the coach to its destination in Deadwood safely. She also nursed victims of a smallpox outbreak back to health. She returned to Black Hills in 1903 and worked for Madame Dufranc, cooking and doing laundry for the brothel's girls. She died at age 51, or 53, or 56, depending on who you ask. She was reported to be drinking heavily on the train toward Deadwood and became sick to her stomach. A doctor was summoned, but she died Saturday, August 1st, 1903, from inflammation of the bowels and pneumonia. She was buried at Mount Moriah Cemetery in South Dakota next to Wild Bill. Some believe it to be a joke on Wild Bill. As he had stated, he had, quote, absolutely no use for Jane in his life. So his buddies decided to place her beside him, in death. Though others say her burial was in compliance with Jane's request to be placed by his side. A bundle of unsent letters were found in her belongings, though Jane was functionally illiterate, so the authenticity remains in question. Much of her life can't be proven. Her life has been dramatized and rewritten, represented and reused, She was illiterate, a lover of a drink, and an occasional prostitute. She dedicated her life to create a pamphlet as a means of promotion for her own tour, meaning much of her story could have been exaggerated or sensationalized to sell. But she remains a captivating character, a woman who by all standards of her time did not follow the rules. She was rough and rugged, aggressive and resilient. Her life was not dictated by expectations of a lady, and her body was not chained by the expectation of motherhood. She lived as she pleased, worked hard for what she had, and remains known because she was unlike her peers. Mary Hunter Austin shared that in common with Calamity Jane. Mary Austin was born September 9, 1868, in Carlinville, Illinois. She was the fourth of six children. She graduated from Blackburn College in 1888. Her family moved to California that same year and established a homestead in the San Joaquin Valley. She married Stafford Wallace Austin in 1891 in Bakersfield. 
He was from Hawaii and graduated from Berkeley. For 17 years, Mary studied the Native Americans in the Mojave Desert. She began publishing on the topic, sharing the knowledge she had acquired. She was a profound writer, publishing novels, poems, critiques, and plays. She was an ardent feminist and defender of the rights of Native Americans and Spanish Americans. But her contributions to the desert lands of California is probably her most famous of achievements. Austin and her husband were deeply involved in the California Water Wars and the Owens Valley. The water from the Owens Valley was being drained to supply Los Angeles. Though, when the battle ended, as Los Angeles had won, her husband moved to Death Valley, California. She moved to an art colony in Carmel-by-the-Sea in 1907. Austin became part of a circle including Jack London, Sinclair Lewis, and Ambrose Bierce. She became one of the founders of the Forest Theater, where she premiered her play, Fire. She continued to contribute to artistic and cultural endeavors in New Mexico, and in 1929, while in New Mexico, she co-authored a book with profound photographer Ansel Adams. Taos Pueblo remains a rare book. Only 108 were published. Mary Austin died August 13, 1934, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Like Calamity Jane, Mary Austin remains underappreciated for her accomplishments. Her contemporaries, such as Jack London, Sinclair Lewis, John Muir, and Ansel Adams, just to name a few, are well-known, respected, and revered for their work in art, environment, and culture, though Mary Austin remained unrecognized by most. When I did my hike this summer, I passed Mount Mary Austin, which was named in her honor. I found it on the map days before I came close to hiking near it. It was important for me to acknowledge it, and when I made my way through Independence, I was sure to stop by her home. There's a plaque. It's nice, but it doesn't feel like enough. So often, women who challenge expectations are deemed inappropriate or unlike. These two women exceed expectations of women's sense of adventure. Calamity Jane pushed all boundaries of what a woman was allowed to do. She lived her life as she wanted, drunk, strong, and free. Mary Austin worked diligently to fight for what she loved, the desert, the rights of people, and in pursuit of art. Her work will never be as profound as her contemporaries, but it should be. She's a hero of mine, one that took me far too long to find, but one that I remain forever indebted to as I continue my research on backpacking and wilderness, rooted in my ability to freely explore and adventure, a path that was paved by the work of these and many other brave women. Thanks for tuning in to our March Marathon dedicated to National Women's Month. We have more to come, some creepy, some strange, but all of these women are for sure badass. And one last thing, we love hearing from you. Your emails and comments are awesome, but ratings and reviews are also really important. So subscribe, rate, review, and keep turning in for more tales from two cities. Until next time.